that we would bow to you, God. And Lord, we humbly come before you and just give us clean hearts. Give us clean minds tonight, God. Cleanse us of our sin, Lord. Jesus, God, you are the word who dwelt among us and you are in this world and you are the one who made this world. God, we want to come before our creator and seek him tonight, Lord. And we ask that you would bless your word, God, and by your spirit that you would move upon us. So I ask, Lord, for your anointing, even more so now, God, as we open your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you can grab your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 1. Luke, actually, Luke chapter 2. Sorry about that. Luke chapter 2. And we're going to continue our study here through the book of Luke. In September of 2009, a baby boy was born. His name was Henry Michael, and he he was born to Chuck and Polly uh, Berendez. But really what made news was how baby Henry was born on September 9th, and so that makes it 0909099999. And not only that, the baby was born at 9.09 a.m. How do you like that? And if that wasn't as amazing, guess how much he weighed? Nine pounds, nine ounces. <laughs> His mother said, I've had several people ask me if he is a lucky baby. I'm not sure about that yet, she says, but he is definitely a blessing. <laughs> so amazing. I mean, who could have planned that? Certainly God was involved here. Well, tonight we continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Luke. And here we come to the birth of a baby boy. And that is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And we see that despite the circumstances, God was certainly involved. And definitely this baby is the biggest blessing ever, right? Because this baby, Jesus, grew to be a man to die on a cross for our sins and bring salvation. Now, I know it seems strange to be talking about basically Christmas in July. But this is where we're at tonight. Besides, I think we should always honor Jesus in his coming to save us even every day, right? Amen? Well, tonight we see when Jesus Christ was born. And that's the title of our message, when Jesus Christ was born. We're going to be studying Luke chapter 2 from verse 1 through 7. And also I'm going to add at the end Micah chapter 5 verse 2. But basically we're going to be in where we've been studying Luke chapter 2 from verses 1 through 7. Now our outline tonight is this. Number one, not the best thing. Number two, not a good place. And number three, not what it seems. So that's the outline for tonight. Let's Take a look at number one now. We'll get into number one. Not the best timing. Not the best timing. Now, we're going to be covering verses one through five here in our first section. But first of all, I want to read through verses one through three. That's what we're going to look at at first. So Luke chapter two, verse one through three, it says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. 
and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And we're going to stop right there. So we begin with this phrase, in those days. And what's that? In what days? Well, it's when Mary is pregnant, and really she's about to give birth to Jesus Christ. Now, remember how Mary was a chosen one to carry and birth the Messiah. We saw this throughout chapter 1, didn't we? We talked about that. Well, now it has come time for Mary to give birth. So it was in those days when she was pregnant, about to give birth, that this decree went out from Caesar Augustus, the Roman Empire. And that uh, decree went out that the world, the whole Roman Empire, should be registered. Now the idea here really that should be registered is that everyone is supposed to be registered to, there's going to be a census all for taxation reason. And this particular census or registration, it went out when, verse 2, Quirinius was governor of Syria. Syria really talks about back then all of Israel, the whole area there too. So everyone, it says in verse 3, all went to be registered, each to his own town. That meant that Everyone had to go to their own hometown, but where your family was originally from. That was, that was really the idea here. So what we see in these first three verses, we see when Mary was about to give birth, everyone was required to go to your family's hometown and register for the census. Now, history tells us Caesar Augustus, the emperor at this time, he ruled from 27 B.C. to 14 A.D. Quirinius, uh, he oversaw this census. It is known to be around 6 B.C. Matthew chapter 2 mentions that Herod, who, he, who was in rule even at this time, he had a little area part ruling in Israel and Judea there. He died in 4 B.C. So if you put all of this together, it's believed that Jesus was born somewhere between 4 B.C., and or 6 BC and 4 BC, somewhere in there. I mean, we could say maybe it was around 5 or 4 BC, around there. Well, I believe as we are going into this chapter, Luke puts this kind of detail here because he's wanting to uh, draw in the Greek audience. That's who he writes to. He's trying to draw them in for because they'll be more interested in things that was going on politically, what was happening back then, and they're more interested in those happenings and uh, that were going on there. So with that, writing and giving these details, you can almost hear maybe a comment, right, from the Gentile Greek readers that, oh yeah, you know, I remember, I remember that census. I remember when Caesar Augustus was in power and Quirinius was there and, and wow, I didn't know that was when Jesus Christ was born. Wow, all that happened and, and no one ever knew it. And so that's sort of the idea and sort of feel as we come into this chapter. Now take a look at verse 4 and 5. It says, And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Verse 5, To be registered with Mary and his betrothed, his betrothed who was with child. So we see in these verses that then Joseph now traveled from the northern area of Galilee. 
Uh, remember, that was like the northern county. Judea is like the southern county. And, and there he lived with Mary in Nazareth in the northern part in the county of Galilee. He went to Judea. And he traveled into Judea in the southern area to the city of David, which it was known as called Bethlehem. And Bethlehem was about five miles south of Jerusalem. So that kind of gives you a little bit of idea there in that time. Now the whole trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem coming down is about 70 miles. So it would have taken them probably about eight days, right? Walking, most likely, right? We see the pictures of Christmas time, you know, Mary's riding the donkey, you know, because she's with child. She's about to give birth. So that, that was a, a, a traveling trip, especially for those guys back then in, in the ancient times. Well, he went down there because it says in uh, verse uh, 4, that he had to go to Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David. He belonged to the line of David, and this was David's city. This is where his family was originally from. So he had to go there. That was the requirement to go there to be registered and part of this census. And so Mary went with him to be registered. And we know, we've talked about how Mary is actually part of that lineage too. Now notice how it says in, in verse 5, it says, His betrothed. Now, that means fiancé. Mary was Joseph's fiancé. But we know from Matthew chapter 124 that Joseph and Mary actually had already been married. Uh, they got married when Joseph from the angel found out that Mary was carrying the Messiah. So they got married. But they did not consummate the marriage. So I guess technically you could say they were still engaged and Mary was with the, the Christ child there. So... Here we see Joseph forced to travel now. Think about this. At the worst time with this baby coming at any moment. It was not the best timing. That's our heading. Put in your mind that, you know, back then there, there was no way you could like, like take up a protest. You know, kind of like we see today. Rome was too powerful of a nation. Rome was brutal upon anyone who would resist them, right? And so the Jews actually, they were suffering under Rome. I mean, they, they wanted their own freedom. They wanted a lot of things. They wanted their own nation. But they were under Rome. And they were actually suffering under Rome. And on top of that, here's the census. And you know what? The Jews hated taking the census. It was like going against trusting God. Like, you know, remember when David, King David, took a census, you know, and that was going against what the Lord wanted when he num wrongly numbered the people. And so all that, you know, they're suffering under Rome. Now Rome makes them, takes the census. Now they got to travel. And to make matters worse, Joseph's wife is pregnant. And she's about to give birth. And to travel now, whoa, what is, oh man. I mean, this baby, more than any other baby, I guess, well, any baby is. But think about, Mary's carrying the Messiah. This is precious cargo right you don't want anything to happen you know no god's heart you know kind of thing right so you can see how joseph could have been like caught in this hard place here he had to travel take his wife mary's with baby they got to do the census they don't really want to do that they're under rome but they got to do it they don't like rome so you can imagine how joseph could have been upset maybe angry at the least frustrated you know what, but what can he do? What can he do? All this was beyond his control. 
Perhaps Mary and uh, Joseph, they knew this baby, uh, uh, you know, was, well, they knew this baby was special, but perhaps they knew that, well, with this special baby, God must still be in control somehow, right? God's with them. I mean, the baby's there. I, I believe they did. I believe they, they still had some sense that God was doing something. So here we see this. On the surface, the timing could not have been more worse. But God must have something more. On the surface, the timing could not have been more worse. But God must have, must have something more. Warren Wiersbe once said, God is never in a hurry. He knows what he's doing and his timing is never off. I like that. I don't know about you tonight, but that comforts me and that speaks to me that God, He is perfect in His timing. No matter how it is, no matter the circumstances. And this seemed to be the, the worst of time. It couldn't be more worse. Yeah? Well, all this going on, Mary, Mary about to have the baby, but God must have something more. Do you believe that? Is God's timing ever off? No, we, we, we would understand that, right? But maybe we feel like how maybe perhaps Joseph is feeling right now. I mean, we're going through a lot. Many people right now are going through a lot. We're in these uncertain times, the, the pandemic. I mean, I, I thought maybe things were going to start, you know, slowing down, but it's not. I mean, the, the recent uh, reports of Wahoo, the numbers being up. I mean, we look at California, Texas, Florida. I mean, just crazy. It's just going out of control. We see um, things going on with our economy. And maybe right now you're, you're, you're kind of feeling maybe something like Joseph is feeling like maybe getting laid off, yeah? Going on unemployment or trying to get your employment. I mean, it's the worst timing for you, maybe you're thinking. Maybe all that, the sacrifices you made and you know, saving, putting all that money in your bank is just draining out faster than, than it's just emptying out faster than you ever imagined. Maybe even in this pandemic, it, it, you're like, gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm caught in this place. I'm forced to change so much in my life. My life is just turned upside down. Perhaps maybe you're like, I don't know what to do. I can't take it. I'm caught in this. And maybe it's making you angry. Maybe, maybe it's making you f- so frustrated. Yeah. And you're wondering, God, I don't know about this. It just seems to be the worst timing with all this happening right now. But you know what? When things are beyond your control, you know what you do? Ask yourself this question. Who's in charge? Who's in charge here, right? Ask yourself that question. When things seem to go out of control, ask yourself, who's in charge? And what's the answer? We know God is, right? God is in charge. Remind yourself that ultimately God controls the things that go on in this world. Ultimately, He's sovereign, right? He may not have wrote that Roman decree that everyone has to go to their hometown to be registered. He may not uh, have written that decree or, or brought on the coronavirus. But you know, he is sovereign. And he will do his will. He will have his way. And he has his timing on all things. God is in ultimate control and charge of the world. And you know what? Your life too. So if he is, then you know what? He's going to guide you 
and nav- help you navigate through these situations. He's going to provide for all you need. And what we need to do is then live by faith and trust God in every step that he leads us in. When the timing could not be more worse, God must have something more. And you've got to believe that. You've got to believe that. So we find really hope here in what we see when Jesus Christ was born. So wasn't the best timing. Secondly, not a good place. Let's go to number two. Not a good place. Luke chapter 2. Look at verse 6 and 7 now. It says, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, time came, we read here in verse 6, that for the baby to be born, and they were there. They were in Bethlehem, verse 6. And she gave birth. And that, that's awesome. Here is the birth. Here's the official birth. This is Christmas. Here's the birthday of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. How awesome is this? This is it right here, verse 6 and first part of verse 7, when Jesus Christ was born. And this was an awesome moment, right? This was when, when the Son of God stepped out of eternity and came unto the earth and was born a baby, a human being. This was the moment of the incarnation, you guys. This was huge. Just here in these little verses we're looking at. This was that moment. Now, notice here, it says here in verse 7, she gave birth to her firstborn son. That really speaks that later she had other sons. This Jesus was the firstborn, right? I mean, we know that Mary had other kids, sons and daughters. We know that in several scriptures in Matthew, like Matthew 13, 55 and 56. And so we understand now Mary is not this perpetual version like our Catholic friends say. She's not. Yeah. But here the virgin gave birth to a baby and that was Jesus Christ, the incarnation. And uh, then we see here in verse 7, she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths. Now, swaddling cloths back then were strips of cloth, and in, in ancient times they were wrapped the baby up to be snug and warm, safe and secure. It's like today when baby Riley was born, she was wrapped in a receiving blanket and all bundled up, you know, and like a little baby burrito there, you know, bundled up. And so that was the idea here, wrapped them in swaddling cloth. And Mary laid him in a manger. Now, a manger is a feeding trough for animals. You might be saying, wait, what? Wait, what, what, what's that? What, Jesus' bassinet is something that animals eat out of? That cows and pigs eat out of? What, what, wait, what was that? Why is that? Well, we see here um, that laid him in a manger. If it is a feeding trough for animals, then that's where we get the idea that Jesus was born in this stable where animals are kept. Basically, where Jesus was born, it was like a parking garage for the animals of the travelers who had come into town for the same census to be registered. So why did they end up there? Why was Jesus born in this stable, this parking garage for animals and all that? Well, because it says here at the verse, end of verse 7, because there was no place for them in the inn. 
It was probably all booked up because everyone's traveling, everyone's trying to get to the place where they need to be registered as a Roman emperor had required everyone to do. You know, I was thinking like, I mean, didn't anybody see that this is the Messiah that was going to be born? Did anybody see even, even the fact that this mom was pregnant, about to have the baby, and she's, she's maybe going into that, you know, mold and stress and all that? Seems like no one saw, maybe no one cared. Maybe they were too busy to even notice. So Mary, we see this picture here. Mary gives birth to the Messiah God, right? Amazing and unreal that she gives birth in this most comfortless and poor conditions. It seems like, for sure, not a good place. That's our heading. You know, scholars tell us that uh, most likely this was a cave. Most likely the feeding trough was made out of stone. I, I saw one when we were in Israel. They were pointing that out. And today, well, you know, we have our ni- nice nativities, you know, with the uh, nice scene, you know. Today we have that rustic wooden t- stable, right? And we had little hay and Here's little baby Jesus in that wooden little manger, perfect size for the baby. And and you put the Jesus baby figurine in there. And you put the animals position all around the little baby Jesus in the nativity scene, you know, looking really loving and serene. But think about the reality of this. If we understand this was this, this stable, this place for animals, she gave birth there in this little feeding trough, you know, and all of that. Think about the reality. It was probably filthy, stinky, yeah, probably chilly in there. It's not accommodations that you would be in, right, if you're traveling, let alone a baby, bring a baby in there or a baby being born in there. But the reality is we see here, verse 7, she gave birth there. The, Jesus was born there. There was no hospital, there was no doctor, no nurse, no midwife. I mean, just Joseph and Mary, right, bringing in the baby. No family to come celebrate with, no neighbors, no close friends. Not even, do you notice here, not even when Jesus was born here, right here, not even like heavenly trumpets blowing, right? Not, not, not even a voice from heaven, God saying, this is my beloved son. No, that came later, right? No angels were singing, Hark the herald, you know, glory. No, not here. Well, later, at least not yet. We'll see next time. But none of that happened. This was a night like just like any other night in some obscure village, unnoticed by the world. In these poor accommodation, Jesus was born. You think God would have thought of something better, right, for the Messiah? His son, Jesus? Maybe Joseph and Mary wanted that too. You ever thought that? Perhaps they thought, this is the Messiah and we end up here. Um, But I think they must have, in their faith and hope, think God must have a plan. God must have a purpose in all of this. And you know what he does. And we're going to see this in the next section. But for now, Well, we see here, on the surface, the place of birth could not have been more worse, but God must have placed them there. Think about that. On the surface, the place of birth could not have been more worse, but God must have placed them there, right? 
There must be a reason. There must be some. I mean, this is the Messiah. And they ended up here. You know, God must have placed them there. There must be a reason, right, behind this. Years ago, I remember a, a missionary I, I knew who was on break from ministering in Ukraine. He, he was back in America, and, and uh, he was sharing with me while he was here, like the day before. He was on an errand, running an errand, and, his, and his, the car he borrowed broke down, and I believe like a flat tire kind of thing and with no spare. Now, it was not the place to be. This was years ago. You're stuck, stuck in the center divider on the freeway. You know, cars racing by, you know, 65 miles per hour. He had no spare. He, he, he is, wasn't able to finish his errand. She just, it wasn't what he planned to do that day. And he's stuck there, broken down. Well, when the tow truck driver finally came and was able to fix the tire, you know what? The missionary got a chance to share Jesus Christ with the tow truck driver. And he accepted the Lord right there on the freeway, right on that center divider with all that commotion going on. He accepted the Lord and was saved by Jesus Christ right there and there he prayed with them. I was thinking about on the surface, oh, that place on the freeway, breaking down there, could not have been more worse for him in that day. But God had placed him there a reason to, I believe, to bring this tow truck driver to Jesus Christ. Well, are you in a place that doesn't seem good? If God is sovereign and you're doing your best, you know what? God must have placed you there for a reason. I was, I was thinking about, think about Joseph and Mary, right? Think about how they, they knew what God had called them to do. She was to carry the Messiah. I mean, both had angels appear to them. They knew what was going on. They were to be the parents of the Messiah, you guys. They were to raise the Messiah, the long for Messiah, and the angels told them. But then it seems everything went wrong. They're in Bethlehem. They're far away. She's got to have this baby. They're in a stable. They ended up like in, in the wrong time, in the wrong place, in the stable. I wonder if they were confused. I mean, I would be, right? Even if God told me, well, you're going to do this. But God, this wasn't what I expected. This is like the wrong place. I would be confused. I wonder if they were tempted to doubt God. Is, is this for real? I mean, what the angels I mean, I didn't expect the Messiah to be born in, in something like this. I wonder if it was hard at that moment to have faith. Yeah, to really believe and have faith. I mean, have you felt like that? Maybe you feel like that right now. Maybe you feel like, ah, I know you're with me, God. I know you called me. I know, but I'm not sure right now. It doesn't seem to be going the way I thought. Going, I'm in this place now. Listen, you know what I've learned? Those who do God's will, those who serve God even with their whole heart, you are not guaranteed with comfortable lives. You're not guaranteed. Many times what God has us do brings us outside of our comfort zones. Understand that. But know that God has reasons for it. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He's doing something in it all. Listen. Listen today, you guys. God 
doesn't promise comfortable lives, but he does promise that even in the place of discomfort, there is meaning in it. There's meaning in it. So let's find hope and faith in what we see here when Jesus Christ was born. Let's go to number three. Number three here, not what it seems. Not the best timing, not a good place, but all of this is not what it seems. There's actually a plan. There's actually something God is doing. Now you're probably wondering, well, well wait, we, we've got to the end here, verse 7, right? Well, remember I mentioned we're going to take a look at Micah chapter 5. So turn over there right now. Turn to Micah chapter 5, and we're going to look at one verse there, verse 2. Uh, Micah is kind of tucked in there. It's, um, if you keep going left, you know, past Malachi and Habakkuk, Nahum, it's right after Nahum. If you went to like uh, uh, Jonah, you went one too far, or Obadiah, you went too far. But Michael's, Micah's t- tucked right in there, and if uh, you need to look at table of context, that's okay too. Micah chapter 5. Verse 2. Micah 5.2, it says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephaphratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient, uh, from ancient days. Here we see in verse 2 of Micah 5 is the prophecy of the Messiah will come from this little town called Bethlehem. It mentions Bethlehem right there. Uh, Ephaphrata is actually an old name for Bethlehem. So it's the same place. So it was probably back then it's like some people were like, oh, I know Ephaphrata, I know Bethlehem, and maybe it's starting to change. But Bethlehem is mentioned here, and that is where the Messiah, is to come from. It says here in verse 2, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. So Bethlehem is too little. In other words, it's, it's so insignificant. It's among the, the towns of the clan or the tribe of Judah, the cities there, but it's small. It's insignificant. But from there, the Lord is saying, from there shall come forth for me, for the Lord, one, the one, the one, the Messiah, who is to be the ruler of Israel, the king, Messiah. This is the prophecy. Everyone understood this, the prophecy for the Messiah. Whose coming forth is from of old. From of old means um, he's, he's existed from the beginning of time. He's been around. And from ancient of days. Literally, in the Hebrew, that means days of immeasurable time. That's what it means in Hebrew, days of immeasurable time. In other, words, in other words, the Messiah comes from even farther back from the beginning of time. The, the Messiah comes from the realm of eternity past. That's the idea. The, the New King James actually translates just everlasting, but it's more accurate, ancient of days, where it's looking at Jesus from existing way even before time began, from eternity past. In other words, he is eternal. He is everlasting. But this says so much about the Messiah that he is God. So we see here in Micah chapter 5 verse 2 that God chose this 
insignificant, small little town, Bethlehem, for the Messiah to be born. This is the place, and it is not what it seems. For out of here came the Messiah. Out of here Jesus was born. Out of here was the humble beginning, which reflects why Jesus came. And we know why Jesus came, right? He came to save. He is the incarnation. He is God becoming man so he can come and live on on this earth, teach us, and then die on the cross as a man. Jesus, think about this. He came to serve, not to be served, right? Matthew 20, 28. He didn't come as a king, but he humbled himself as a servant to all to die for them. We know Jesus was born to die. Jesus was not born in some palace. He wasn't born in royalty or wealth or high status. No, he was born right where we were reading in Bethlehem in a little stable, in a lowly stable. The place where he was born, Bethlehem, the stable, it all pointed toward his humble life, his poverty, even his rejection. If you think about it, there was no room for him in the inn, but there will be room for him on the cross. The second person of the Trinity stepped down from eternity into a baby being born to poor parents. And think about this. Even though, remember the parents living in Nazareth, but Jesus wasn't born there. God got them to Bethlehem to fulfill this prophecy here in verse 2 and set a statement for what he was all about, what he was going to do. That's why it's so important that he came to Bethlehem, that he was born in Bethlehem. The name Bethlehem, you know what it means? House of bread. And if you think about Jesus is the bread who came to heaven, right? He's the bread of life. To give us life in him. To give life to the world, like the manna. Bethlehem Bethlehem is the perfect place for Jesus to be born. So you can see now, as we look at Micah chapter 5, verse 2, in this verse, you can see that God worked all of this out. Nothing can stop his plan. He folds, even what the, the Caesar had him do, even this hard situation, he folds it all into his plan. So here's the last takeaway. On the surface, it's seen like everything could not have turned out more worse. But God worked everything into the plan. On the surface, it seemed like everything could, have, could, could not have turned out more worse. But God worked everything into the plan. No matter where you're at today, you guys, isn't, doesn't that give us hope? Yeah? Doesn't that help us today to go on for tomorrow? Doesn't that help us to work out whatever's going on in your life, whatever situation, whatever the trial, whatever the problem is, whatever the issue? Because on the surface, it seemed like things could not even get worse, right? But God can use that and take everything and work it into his plan. I love that. I love seeing this here. Joseph and Mary, it was was hard. I'm sure it was hard. I'm sure it was difficult to take that journey. And could you imagine like Mary having the Braxton Braxton Hicks, you know, while they're traveling, you know. And then, oh, no, oh, no, the contractions are coming. Well, there's no place to stay. Oh, well, you know, they they found a place in the stable. Have a baby there. Well, beyond their control. 
But this was part of God's plan. Seemed like everything couldn't be, you know, could not have turned out more worse, but God worked everything out, right, into the plan. Yesterday, this article came out how God is bringing thousands of people, you guys, thousands of people to Jesus Christ in all of, uh, out of all places, you know where? Iran, in the country of Iran. Uh, they're calling it the pandemic of hope. I thought that was a weird, weird thing. But, but, but what's happening is that this country, Iran, right now, I don't know if you're watching the news, but they're going through so much. There was much turmoil. There's attacks from Israel. There's mysterious fires at their nuclear facilities and military sites. There's protests going on the streets right now. And on top of all that, the country is going through this exploding coronavirus cases. Well, the people of Iran are finding hope, you know, in who? Jesus. With everything getting worse and, and, and worse, thousands of Muslims are turning to Jesus Christ. Uh, one source of Mahabat TV, a popular Christian satellite TV station, reports registering 10 times more uh, 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 people coming to the Lord than last year. They're saying 3,000 people each month are making decisions to follow Jesus. And it's since the uh, pandemic began in March. So that's why it's the pandemic of hope. We can see, despite the bad circumstances, even here, God worked everything into their plan to save many in Jesus. We can see that in Iran. Well, is your circumstance not too good? Does it seem everything is, is more worse than ever? Know that those things, no matter how bad, cannot stop God from working in your life. You know, I wonder if Joseph and Mary thought about this prophecy. They probably knew it. But I wonder if once they got there, they wondered, is this the place? And, but is it going to really work out? I believe God's going to give them confirmation that this is the Lord for sure. And we're going to see that next week. But for now, you and I, we must see when it looks like everything is falling apart, it doesn't mean God is not working. It doesn't mean his work has stopped. No, it means that God is there and is working no matter what. Think about how the most powerful man on earth at the time, Caesar, was really a puppet serving God's bidding. Yeah? God used him in all this. Listen, God cares for you more than you know. And look at it this way. God cares for you. You know why? Because if Jesus humbled himself, left the glories of heaven, came down to this earth, to a dirty stable, to be born there, to fulfill prophecy, to show why he came, and then he grew and died for you. Then you know he loves you. And listen, in his love for you, he may have to bring you to your Bethlehem. He may have to bring you to that place and that timing. And it may not seem the, the best thing, but you know what? He has to bring you and he'll bring you to your Bethlehem to work out the plan. He has. And what plan is that? Well, think of how the birth of Christ, right? Jesus coming to this earth. Think of how he was born like any other child. But this birth, 
had far-reaching implications. So think about that, guys. As, as Jesus, as God is working in your life, as he brings you to your Bethlehem, to your, this timing's wrong, or this place, or I don't understand God. I, I, I thought you're here. I thought you're with me. I thought this was you. I, I, I thought you, you wanted me. Um, you know what? Think about what he's doing in you, how he's going to use you, is going to have far-reaching implications. And think about this. And we'll close up here. God sent Jesus to be born in an insignificant town, Bethlehem. So you know what? God comes to ins- insignificant people like you and me. To, to be born inside us, Jesus, our Savior. So that we might be born again into a new life. So will you make room for Jesus in the town of your heart? Will you make room to allow him to work? Maybe you're online right now. You're connected. Will you make room for Jesus to be your Savior today? I'll close with this. Walter was nine when asked to participate in the school's Christmas play. He was the innkeeper. And after many rehearsals, the long-awaited performance came and they opened. Joseph and Mary came to the inn and there was Walter standing at the door with his lantern. What do you want? He asked. We seek lodging, replied Joseph. Go away, the inn is filled. But sir, we've been everywhere. We've traveled far and are so weary. Please, good innkeeper, this is my wife, heavy with child. You must have some small corner for her. Walter looked upon Mary with compassion. The prompter whispered, go, go on, go on with your line. So Walter said, there is no room here. Be gone, be on your way. At this point, Joseph sadly put his arm around Mary. Mary laid her head on his shoulder, and the two started to turn and walk away. Walter stood there, watching the couple with sad eyes and then tears. Suddenly, this Christmas play became different from all the others. Don't go, Joseph, Walter called out. Bring Mary back. And then Walter's face lit up with a big smile, and he said, You can have my room. This is what we need to do, right? Let Jesus have the room in our hearts. Let him do the work. Let him come in and do what he came to do. So let's learn here. Let's learn this. Let's learn all this from when Jesus Christ was born. Let's pray. God, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And you, Jesus, you came to this earth. You became flesh and dwelt among us. Yet, God, when you came to your own, your your own did not receive you. Lord, let us not do that to you tonight. You have come, Lord. You have spoken to us. You are here right now, knocking on the door of our hearts, Lord, asking, Lord, that we would let you in. God, here we are opening the door. We want to let you in. We want to put our faith in you. We want, God, you to come in and do what you do, whatever circumstance we're in. We want you to come in and save us. And Lord, do that tonight as we give a, give, we truly give room in our hearts to you, Lord. So here we are, God. Thank you for being born. Thank you for being in our lives. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.